the morning light doesn't suit the wicked. My name is Matthew Kroll. And this is what happens when you fall for the wicked. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film First Love. Matt, am I your first love? Um, no. You were my first. No, I was, first I was going to say you were my first podcasting love. You're not. No, I'm not that either. Um, shout out what? to uh, Stephen Buja. Yeah, shout out to Stephen Buja. Um, <laughs> you'll, always remember me, you'll always be first in both of our hearts, Stephen. I will remember <laughs> By the way, check out, um, I I know Stephen isn't doing this podcast anymore, but I think it's a really great podcast that he used to do called the Oscar Watch Podcast, where he reviewed every film that had won a either a best picture or just any film that won Oscars. Um, it's, it, I think, you know, while it's the sad back that catalog the, yeah, it stopped, there is a great back catalog. Um, uh, you've appeared on it a couple of times. I've appeared on it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, not at the same time. He no. knew to keep us, you know, keep Separate. that fuse unlit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but please go check out Oscar Watch Podcast. I really dig that podcast. I, I yeah. hope it comes back. Yeah. Um, no, so I don't know. You, you weren't my first love, Shahir. Who, here's a question straight up. Let's okay. just, let's get personal right all off right, the bat. Right, Who right. was your first love? Wait, now, real first love? Or? I mean, do we want to do, as long as the stories are short, we could do both. Like, the first, like, kind of love, and then, like, the real love. So, I remember falling in love when I was, like, a little kid. Yes. Yeah, like, a little, like a little, little kid, and I was, like, and I barely remember the girl's name. Uh, I think, I think it might have been Valerie. I okay, think. Okay. And, she, and, and we're talking, like, this is a little Shahir in Fiji. Uh, it's like the first year of school, and I think it was just a girl. Yeah, you know, and it was like, oh, these feelings are strange. I yeah. like, you know, like, and she makes me feel good when I'm around her. That kind of thing. Yeah. How about you, uh, Erica Kingsbury? I was seven years old. <laughs> was my first kiss. Was the literally the girl next door. Wow, that was your first kiss. Yeah. Oh, my kiss came. My first kiss came way. I mean, later. that was like a time. It was like that was like a baby kiss. Like yeah. we're not talking like craziness. I'm just saying that's like it's funny <laughs> course, because if you're seven year old, seven years old, tongue. And she was, <laughs> and she was, I think. Nine or ten? I don't remember what Whoa, the thing is. Yeah, woman. going for it. Wow. Uh, shout out to Erica Kingsbury. I, I think she's you actually remember the listens, last name. I think she listens every once in a while. Really? Well, I'm still friends. I'm still friends. Um, You're with friends her. with the first. Group. Well, no, I mean, I mean, we're not didn't end on bad terms or anything. Uh, I'm more <laughs> friends seven. now with what her, her younger terms? sister Kristen, who was also living there. The, the Kingsburys lived next to me for quite a long time, uh, and so I was friends with the family. I mean, this was a long. They, thing. They're aware of this, right? Like, yeah. like this is not. Oh a, yeah, this is not a shock. She's not going to listen to this and be like, "What?" Yeah. Blowing up your spot, Erica. <laughs> no, she's great. Uh, I, I love that family, and I have a lot of uh, reverence for them. And then, uh, you know, so now what's your real? What's your real? Hmm. Uh, your I, real first. This love? is a complicated question, and I'm going to put it down to my to my wife. Not because, not just because that's that's um, politically correct for me to do. That's fine. But but, but I, I I am going to put that down because I think. Uh, and maybe this is just getting older thing. Love isn't the thing that I thought it was when I was like watching, um, you know, chasing Amy or things like you know, like like a. It's you not know, a like, battlefield. It's not. Yeah, love is not a battlefield. It will not tear you apart. It, uh, it's not we a can, drug. We can't stop. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, no, so I, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm happily married. It's, it's hard work. You know, like it's it's difficult work, um, but I think you know. Interestingly, I think that's what this movie is kind of getting towards. So okay. I'm I, I'm curious about that. What about you? What about okay? I mean, this is uh, uh, the only podcast about relationship counseling. Um, Matt, what was your first uh, love? First love was probably college. Uh, yeah, girl named Jess. Jess. Because uh, you know why I know it was love yeah. was because that was the breakup when we broke up. Uh, oh yeah, first breakup. That, that like that like. 
hurt. I act like actively my friends told me like visually I looked ill for like a month. I remember uh, a bad breakup where I curled up on the floor Ooh. and I was like Ooh. and I was sobbing and I was like man this is the, the, the it was it was physical yeah, it was no, physically same painful. Thing. Same thing. Yeah. So I think that was the first. I think that that is correct. And yeah. you know, uh, listen, love, love is um, <laughs> a battlefield. Is a straight. We already did that one. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, love is uh, love is a strange, strange uh, beast. Much like I think. Actually, it's funny. I thought it was really bad. like this film's kind of strange. In my head, it's really not. No, it's I, not. Uh, I yeah, I I, I did. I, I was expecting a little bit more off the wall. Yeah. Well, so this was the interesting thing. I I wanted to do this this week, and I'm I'm really I get I gave you an option like. We, we decided early on. <laughs> he gave me an ultimatum because that's what love is, everybody. That's what love's about. Yeah, it's either the me, my way, or the highway. No. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, uh, we wanted to do something uh, that was available for streaming this week just because uh, schedules are really crazy. You're heading off to PAX very shortly. Yeah, can't uh, wait. Where can people find you at PAX if you're going to be there? Oh, uh, if you're going to be at PAX, we have a panel in the Albatross Theater called Extra Breakfast Live and Illustrated with the EC crew. We're going to have people drawing gonna the draw whole thing. are going to draw you while you're... There are people drawing <laughs> the questions and things like that that happen with it. What's We're that gonna... Simpsons game? We can't. Uh, we don't uh, animate live. It just doesn't. It's not yeah. good on the <laughs> animator's hands. Yeah, uh, that's at twelve thirty on Friday in the Albatross Theater. So what come date? on by. Just so uh, when this oh podcast... God! So what is today? Today? Oh, and by the time this comes out, it'll be over. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, you cannot should have see... done that last time. You might be able to check out. I know that Pax is streaming them, and they'll have the vods up on Twitch. If you search for Pax East twenty twenty, you could definitely find our vod there. Okay. Um. Who saved it? All right. So, um, we. Uh, I did give you not an ultimatum, but I was no, like, okay, let's uh, let's pick two. And there was a lot of movies we could have picked from. Um, I've been really wanting to do Tigers Are Not Afraid, the Issa Lopez film that came out last year. There's a bunch of movies from last year that I kind of really want. We're kind wanted. of playing catch up. We, yeah, we're playing catch up. February's for catch up. Um, and and then you know the February's at the movie theater as we've kind of established is a little bit of a minefield in terms of like mm, there's not a lot I'm really really super excited to see. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, of course, I still Sonic haven't the, seen it. Still haven't seen Sonic the Hedgehog. I noticed you you'd seen Birds of Prey twice. I gotta tell you, man. <laughs> I went with my friend Katie uh, and whole. I, I liked the movie the first time, right? Um, but I, I meant what I tweet time? like the second time. Here's a here's a thing, and as an editor, maybe you can relate to this. Nope. Like I n- n- nope, never mind. Um, as an editor, I'm antisocial and I don't speak about my feelings. All right. Also <laughs> fair, but I meant from the craft, uh, not the film, the actual act of editing. The um, the, the second time that you watch a film is obviously different because you, you know you yeah. all the surprises are gone. And I think my only gripes with with um, Birds of Prey. And the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn is uh, that I thought that the 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 sort of plot structure and the shuffle of her unreliable narration uh, was a little bit haphazard, not as tight as I would have liked it to be. But it's funny, the second time I watched it, that did not absolutely bother me at all because obviously I knew it. And then I was like, is there a term for, especially when an editor is working or anyone's working on a film where you've seen it so many times that like... And I think Birds of Prey still it all made sense the first time I saw it, but like I just like the the visceral wonderment of it really did wash over me the second time, and it had to do with that primer of seeing it already. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's a term or whatever, but have you ever had that feeling where you're like like a prop like the minor problems you have with the film the second time you watch it, you're like no this is this is great. <laughs> I, we uh, whenever we taught film studies, we always encourage students to watch a film 
three times Mm. at a minimum three times if you're going to have a discussion about a film we'd say three times as a minimum uh, before you can do it because the first time is about surprise it's about like just experiencing the film on its own terms the second time uh, what I find happens in the second or third time is you realize that every film is much richer than you give it credit for sure even the even the the films that you think are really bad off the bat even the Sonic the Hedgehogs (laughs) I haven't seen it I gotta stop giving it shit just Every film is made up of of talented artists who really put a lot of thought into yeah. every single corner of the frame, and and I think what happens is the second and third time you get to appreciate that quality. I was going to say the thing that you're talking about is where you've just seen things so many times it becomes fatigue. The term I would use is fatigue. Uh, it, it's, it's it's before fatigue, <laughs> but but after surprise. But I, I think there's a there's a relaxation that comes before fatigue when you finally give up and just let the no. And this is actually just before again before we're getting into the movie and a couple other things that we got to do. <laughs> There's a thing that I think uh, I've been thinking about a little bit, uh, and I can't remember where I'd been thinking about this, but it was uh, in some conversation either you and I were having or I was having with somebody else. Uh, that's how important you are to me. Um, <laughs> it was the idea that we should, and I'm, I'm going to try and backtrack my way into this. but Back that, it up. Back it up. But the idea is that we should accept a, ter- a film on its terms, not on our own terms. Mm. So what I mean by that was is that I think... Um, we we should try to watch a movie on the terms with which it is providing to us. So, what is the story that it is trying to tell us? What is the what is the way it's trying to do it? You know, like like let's not come to any film with a preconceived notion of what a film could be, what a film should look like, sure. what what this type of story should be. We should try to accept every film on its own terms first before we bring our own baggage to it. Right. And, and I and I think I, I, the reason I you know what you're talking about here is that like the the what happens if you do that is that you relax you know like you relax i I find myself just like if i'm anxious about seeing uh i remember seeing a tibetan film you know about um uh uh, hawk wrangling uh once and i was like oh am i you know am i gonna get bored by it i knew it was a long movie it was very quiet and stuff but i was like you know if i just sit down relax and just accept what is being presented to me on its own terms and try to enjoy the ride, I think I'll get a far richer experience Where if than if I'm bringing the sort of paradigm of the cinema I am accustomed to sure. to this movie. It's hard to get into that flow state often just with time and life and whatnot, yeah. but I agree with that. I also think a sort of a secondary part of that, it's the thing I always say about a, a movie following its own rules. Yeah. Like I think the initial thing of you sitting down Yes, you need to just sort of let the film speak to you as the way it's going to speak to you. But then I think what when I will start criticizing a film most harshly is when it's speaking to me is uneven and without one or at least uh, enough clear like cl- clarity in all the voices it's trying to portray. Obviously, um, yeah. yeah. No, and, and films don't you know like aren't always good. You know, sure. Like, um, but but I I, I just think, like love. <laughs> just we're still remembering what's her name, Jess. No, uh, Becky. What was her name? Erica. <laughs> Becky. J- yeah, your your girlfriends Becky. are like very. They very much sound like they could be part of the Suicide Squad at some point. So was it Jess, Erica? No, Becky? Erica was the Erica's <laughs> the, the one that I'm still friends with her and her family. Okay. Um. So, uh, uh where were we here? And, and and so the other thing was, I just kind of I I wanted that experience, and maybe that's 
part of this of like not really knowing a lot about what we were going to watch and not even having any anticipation about whether it's going to be good or bad. Like I know Takeshi Miike films. I there was a period in my life where I was like super into Takeshi Miike. Mm-hmm. I think it's that sort of uh you know like I um to, as far as Takeshi Miike goes, I kind of came to him at that at that real high point of his career which was Audition. Uh, yeah, I think it was, was 1999 Audition that when uh, an audition came to New Zealand uh and and the screening was so famed around New Zealand. Everyone, mm. everyone was like talked about this one screening. Like I, I read an interview with Lee Tamahori, the director of um, uh, the James Bond film Die Another Day. I think it was uh, you know like he, he he also directed this amazing New Zealand film called Once Warriors, and he talked about it. And like this was even a few years ago, he was talking about this screening of Audition because it was so, everyone. It, I think it got written up in the newspaper and stuff that people fainted and had to leave the theater, and it wasn't just a marketing ploy. Like these were people who were actually just saying this movie is legitimately one of the most upsetting and terrifying and disturbing things I've ever seen in my life and people were passing out when they saw this movie wow and then I went and saw it and I was like not only is it all of those things because uh, it is disturbing upsetting I think if anyone's seen audition the trigger word is it's all of those things but it's masterfully made you watch it and you go oh my god this is an inc- incredible filmmaker uh, who has got an incredible sense of balance and tone you know what's <laughs> funny about that too it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of the thing you just talked about <laughs> meaning meaning you 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 went into it at, or I went in with full as uh, suspension like, yeah with, uh, with, with, with full it, anticipation yeah, yeah yeah which is a different experience you can still enjoy it that way too <laughs> it, I feel like that's more if it works on the positive like <laughs> if you have high as <laughs> Expectations and those are met. Yeah, that's great. But uh, if you have low expectations and they're and they're uh, provided, no, no. If they're if they're validated, if your low expectations are entirely, you feel valid. good, but like in a no, you feel terrible. Way. Why? If, if you if you think a movie's going to be bad and, and then the movie's bad, you you feel a little smart. Ah, oh, I don't know. Yes, you do. You you and me specifically. This is something I feel that we can be we I'm can trying, be I'm brothers trying, on. I'm trying to think of the situation where that's happened. I'm trying to think of a movie where I think I'm not saying you're actively rooting for a movie to be bad. I'm yeah. saying you roll into a film and you're like, oh, I'm not really gonna like this, and you can't get into that flow state on the occasion, right? <laughs> and then you walk out, not, and you didn't like it, and you're like, Yeah, I was right. This like, is, this is a long. We're, we're taking a long but way, it's a, way it's to an get. No, no, because and I like this conversation because I think we're, it's gonna help us get into this conversation a little bit. Um, but but you know, I agree with you. I wonder. I wonder. If, I'm trying to think. I like. I wanted Batman v Superman to be good. I wanted Justice League to be good. I wanted Suicide Squad to be good. But you kind of knew at least a couple of those, for instance. Were... I knew they were bad. I didn't realize how bad they were. Like when I saw them, like I knew that I'd heard they weren't weren't very good. But I think I, in those cases, I was surprised at how genuinely bad they were. There's a lizard brain thing for me where <laughs> if I have a preconceived notion about a film and then I feel like that notion is vindicated in yeah. whatever way it is, then I feel a little smart. And I feel <laughs> like that's a natural human thing. I, I'm not going to be a dick about it. I mean, I'll be a dick about a lot of things. I won't be a dick about that. Um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's Well, speaking, okay, uh, I'm going to table my Takeshi Miike thing just for a second because we do have emails. <laughs> oh. we Oh, yeah. We got a lot of stuff to get hey, to. Hey, everybody, do you want to talk to us? Do you want to send us some words and then we read those words and then respond to the words that we read that you wrote? Yeah. You, you can email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at onlymoviepod on Twitter. 
So we got two emails, uh, well, one email and a voicemail Ooh, about yeah, yeah. Uh, portrait send, of portrait of a lady on fire. Send us your files. Yeah, send us your send us your voice. No, I like hearing people's voices. I do. It's, it's really great. Uh, but Jake actually did two emails. We got are from Jacob, so from one person this week. Uh, Wait, we're vo- doing two emails from one person. We are. We are. Jacob, you but, are overachieving. But they actually emailed about two different films, and so they would. That's why. Otherwise, I would I would parse these out. But or these are, we're parsing them wrong. But either way, we're doing it. So let's just go. And this is actually directly related. Uh, this was not intended, but directly related to what we were just talking about. No. Uh, but Jacob writes, I walked in knowing nothing about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I wasn't sure I was going to see it today, as it wasn't at my AMC. But yeah, I love listening to your episodes as they come out. So I defected over to the Regal. Thanks, Thank Jacob. And Regal. Actually, that means a lot. <laughs> like, that warmed my heart a lot more than I was expecting this email to do. No no offense to the email itself, but I was just like, whoa, like well, that's really nice. And we're fully aware that people um, will go to see movies based on what they know we're, we're doing the next week. So we really appreciate That's that. That's very sweet. Thank you. Uh, as the credits rolled, most of my audience was clearly moved. I could hear the sniffling. It was a situation where no one wanted to be first, but when someone started tentatively started, uh, when someone tentatively started clapping, we all joined in. Not raucous or thunderous, but respectful and thankful. Thankful for being able to experience such moving art together. Uh, I stopped by Target on the way home. Target. His plan is to replenish my breakfast banana stock. And as I walked out, uh, and I walked out with a watercolor painting set. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. I will listen to your episode in the morning, still breathing it all in myself right now. I Uh, hope you painted while you listened to the episode. Oh, well, he'd paint, he'd paint a, a rendition of us uh, talking to each other. Uh, no, no, just, no, not that, but, <laughs> but, but just anything. That's a great, that's great. Right. Also, I love the little details of that email. I love that we knew that he was going to buy bananas and then it tied into something <laughs> sweet and surprising at the end. Like a banana? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how surprising a banana is. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what it depends. It depends how you get, okay. get it. Anyway. All right. Um, thank you, Jacob, for that email. Thank he, you, Jacob. Uh, following up, we also have a voicemail from our friend over at Ouvrebusters. <laughs> oh, that's why you did the Ouvrebusters. Uh, I was trying to get myself there. Liam, Liam! emailed us in about uh, having immediately after he had just seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire. All of this is to say you should listen to our episode of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and more importantly, you should go see this movie while it's in theaters. P O L L. O-F is the short for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Pluff. Pluff. Uh, all right, Liam, what do you got? Hey, only podcast about movies. Yeah, I just got out of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and I, I thought it was pretty masterful filmmaking and incredibly moving, um, but I was also so intellectually blown away by it. Um, one thing that stuck out to me was that so much of the... Um, film reminded me um, aesthetically of a film by Robert Brisson, who sort of advocated for this, like, cinema where the actors were models, and that, that um, a kind of a, a kind of focus on, on uh, telling the story through editing and focusing on small details, hands, eyes, faces, to tell the story, and, and almost non-acting, a kind of it kind of non-performative thing, except what's interesting is that in this film, it's entirely through the, we're almost entirely looking at women, the, the whole film, and it's a film made by a woman, so I felt, like, interestingly implicated by the, 
by the male gaze question, which I found very provocative and powerful and, and a second reading of the film. The other thing that uh, really blew me away was the kind of way that the social hierarchy falls apart when the kind of figure in charge leaves and the women become more equal. And I think the film has a lot to say about labor and what we view as valuable and, and how we how we quantify value in in works of art and, and the labor to produce them. But that's a lot to unpack. Overall, I just thought it was a beautiful love story, and um, uh, it's deserving of every kind of plot, every kind of amazing accolade it, it, it gets. Um, yep, that's my hastily recorded voicemail. Uh, I totally loved it. Okay, bye. And we will only accept hastily recorded voicemails. Yeah, it's got to be. You've got to be running away from the authorities, yeah. or, um, uh, or or, or uh, having uh, some sort of high speed oh, chase, maybe to Target. The best time is also when you've left the apartment and you realize that you've left the iron on. That is the time to record a message on your way back. You can uh, tell us about your portraits that are on fire in your house. Wow. Well, I, I thought that was just going to be a fun little aside, but you swung it on back. Yeah, it made it dark. Uh, <sighs> thank you so much, Liam. Again, check out Oofle Busters, which is a fantastic podcast. I agree with everything you said. I'm very curious as to which Brisson film. I think uh, we'd message back and forth about this. The Brisson films that I know are Diary of a Country Priest, Mouchette, and L'Argent, and... Um, uh, Joan of Arc, uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Uh, those are the ones I can think of at the top of my head I, that I think relate a little bit to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, I'm definitely not, uh, I haven't seen many, uh, too many, all of Brisson's work, but I'm really curious how that uh, that connection is made because I think um, the, the film that I thought about a lot during Portrait of a Lady on Fire, it, and again, it's all tied to Laura Mulvey's article, uh, the, uh, the Female Gaze, but um, is uh, Vertigo. Mm. And this idea of like deconstructing a, 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 a particularly a woman's face through the through you know what each part of her body kind of means and how does it all kind of fit together and in the case of Vertigo it is about the the male gaze and the male construction of a, of a female body or a female person um, and in and in Portrait of a Lady on Fire it's entirely a female gaze and I, I like the way that Liam uh, phrased it which is that it was uh, it he felt implicated in it yeah uh, which I think is a really beautiful and again just such a great movie such a beautiful movie indeed also yeah listen again uh, for the 19th time listen to that episode we had a great guest Izzy from Be Kind Rewind check out our YouTube channel it's phenomenal yep um, yeah so hey. should we should we get into it or oh, wait, do we have the second Jacob email uh, we do have a second Jacob email, which I I just want to we we had a little bit of a discussion at the end of our uh, portrait of a lady on fire. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what you should do? You should listen to that episode. Uh, listen to that episode. Go listen to that episode. Yeah, go check it yeah, out. Maybe that's if you haven't listened to it, you probably should get it. Yeah, go listen. Let uh, me be can... clear. <laughs> listen to the portrait of a lady on fire episode. Yeah, you all really ragged on those folks who aren't willing to read subtitles. Oh, this is Jacob. Yeah, okay. and so I wanted to defend them just a little. Yeah. Though in general, I think they are really missing out on amazing art. Wait. So we had a bit, a bit of a conversation about the one-inch barrier that uh, Bong Joon-ho had discussed uh, and, and you know, like this sort of evolving conversation that's happening on film Twitter and all other forums about, the, you know, Parasite's historic win and whether people are going to go see this film despite the fact that it has subtitles. I rallied really hard on Extra Breakfast. We did a whole thing about subtitles oh, really? on the show. Yeah. And um, Wait, is it, because in the case of Extra Breakfast, is it the subs or dubs well, a lot of it, Yeah, that, that's actually what the, what the chat brought up a bunch. Uh, yeah. and, and there are interesting things. Then you get into like, you know, and maybe Jacob brings this up or maybe not, but it's the, uh, you know, what about people that actively cannot 
yeah. uh, co- you know, depending on how everyone's brain functions, etc., like cognitively do it, yeah, or yeah. like you know, then what if they're then in that case, then yeah, maybe dubs are the best way. For, you know, them yeah. Definitely are. Anyway, there's a lot of different side things about it. Uh, so this is continuing on from Jacob. When you watch a movie with subtitles, you are not watching scenes unfold as intended. Instead, you are focusing on words. I don't even think if you read fast, you wear uh, and work your eyes very hard, you can see any scene with subtitles and get the desired effect of the cinematography. Um, and I think that is a little depressing. Knowing that it gives you uh, that you gave it your best effort, stopping short of learning the language, you are getting an extremely subpar experience compared to the best possible experience. To put this in other terms, if I could only watch great films in the uh, in English at 480p with a slightly degraded audio quality, I would do it. It's worth it to experience what these amazing movies have to say. But he sure is a heck bit I would complain about it, and I would understand others' hesitation to take in films that way. I almost want to watch Parasite unsubtitled now that I've seen it twice, and so I can soak up soak in the visuals. But I think it can only take so many viewings that are not uh, uh, that are not the full experience. On my second viewing, I tried to soak in more of the visuals, but sadly wound up reading most of the subtitles the whole time again. Um, so uh, interesting. And he, he goes. Jacob goes on to talk about like alternate subtitle technology. Now, um, I hmm, 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 where, oh, yeah? do, where do I stand on this? Um, I mean, I got a pretty clear line. Okay. Um, Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> fire away. Yeah. Um, I, when watching a subtitled film, find that I don't have my eye, and I don't know if this is how other people, I can't speak to it. This is a, this is a purely me thing. Yeah. I read in my periphery. Uh, I'm not actively sort of looking at like I, I know because I notice like when I when it's something skips or I, I miss I think I miss a beat I will notice myself actively looking down to like quadruple check what my brain tells me I just saw mm-hmm. um, the way I equate the, the way that my brain in, interprets subtitles is the way like when we pass a street sign. Right, right. Like I'm not actively like looking away from the road, but I know that my exit's coming up, etc. Now I know it's a little bit more complicated than that. I don't know if that's how other people do it. Um, and I, I, yeah, a hundred percent. I, so, so while I do agree that there is going to be a absolute, like small de- de- degrading of the experience from the way it was intended, of course, but that is language. Like yeah. that is what it's going to be. Uh, if it's dubbed, for instance, uh, then you're going to get that in a different light because you're going to get different inflections and slightly different words and different actors. Like right. so there's always going to be that barrier, but I think and I and maybe you kind of touched on this. I would much rather see phenomenal cinema from places which I do not speak their native tongue at 90 to 95% cognitive ability on the first watch through then just be like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Now that's not that's not to say anybody that that um that subtitles just don't work or they don't register uh with them in that regard or that uh dubbing might be distracting like like too distracting like I get that yeah um I just I I I am very thankful that even beyond standard cinema technology being marrying the the sound to the falsehood of images moving in front of you yeah. that we can also have these accessibility options for people who don't speak a language or who might have to interpret uh uh film differently deaf people for instance i yeah. mean that's the that's the way that they're going to be able to you know experience any of this yeah uh i think you know uh 
for me personally, I, I my secret fantasy, my secret superhero fantasy is that I can understand every single language on the planet. Oh, you just that, want a, you want a Babelfish? I want I want a Babelfish. Yeah, yeah, I want to have Babelfish installed in my ear and be able to travel anywhere and understand every dialect and every language. That that is actually like my I. I more than flying or invisibility or anything else, that is the superpower I wish I had. You know I what's had. interesting about that? In your lifetime... I could probably achieve that there, if I was well, a hard worker. Well, no, 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 no. But there will be a piece of technology that does that. Yeah, the Google, you know, like, I love it's when I go... It's close. Over... Like, it's not real time yet, but... And you, we've been overseas together, and like because we're in love. Because we're in love, uh, but uh, but you've. I, I hope you've seen me do this. But I try to learn some of the language when I go there because I get a real. You're better than me in that. I, yes. Well, I get a real kick out of like seeing someone's face when they they're surprised that I'll like know just a little bit. And usually, it's enough to get me in trouble. But but like that time we ordered coffee and we got like meat sticks. <laughs> yeah, we got meat sticks exactly. And I had no <laughs> idea what happened there. <laughs> that that was an episode. We did an episode about that. Yeah. That was we did the in Bilbao. We did the film uh, Flowers. Yes, uh, Flores, and uh, yeah, it was wonderful. So you can hear us complain <laughs> slash praise that. Yeah, no, and we had an email uh, 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 right in from that uh, yes. from that country to tell us about that specific dialect, um, which uh, was great. Yeah, which is fantastic. At any rate, so what what short short of me being able to develop that superpower through some sort of uh, magical occurrence or actually doing the work to learn uh, everyone's languages. Yeah, stop being lazy. Uh, movies are just a wonderful opportunity for me to experience that superpower because I get to watch a thing in a language that I don't know and don't understand and have it translated to me in front of me. So I love it. Um, I love it when I can basically, I, I somewhat, basically I see the subtitle as like this, this gift that is being given to me and I and I just adore the fact that I can kind of there and then and then part of that is I I, I think I am a fairly fast reader and so what happens with me is I'm able to kind of like quickly glance at a, at a, at a, at a subtitle and figure out what it is and still be able to like get the details of like what's happening in the image and the performance and that sort of thing so I I love it um, I know that there for other um, uh, varieties of uh, you know uh, able-bodied or disabled-bodied that there is a different requirement and needs you know like but I'm fortunate to to have my faculties enough to do that. Uh, I'm visually impaired, you know. I wear glasses, so you know, not 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 detrimentally. Yeah, my VR impaired. headsets are hell on you. Um, but but you know, so so uh, having this ability, I think, is like a gift, and being able to see these movies. To me, is a gift. And whenever, know? whenever I'm, whenever I'm, uh, sort of a little bit vitriolic about this, which I feel like has been the last week and a half ish, um, <laughs> is, you know, since the parasite thing, because it's kind of brought it to the fore. I'm not mad at anybody who has tried like subtitles, and it just it is not for them. Right. Like it's I get I get upset when people get stuck in a wheelhouse of what their what their what they assume that their preference for a thing is. Right. Uh, and that's what when when someone instantly says to me, "Oh, I'm not going to watch that because it's not in English." Now, yeah. It's not, and 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 maybe look, <laughs> even in that specific situation, maybe it is because they interact with subtitles and it doesn't quite get the story across for them. But yeah. but that's not what they're saying to me. They're saying a thing that they just don't want to be bothered in, in, in when, when it's that short conversation. And but, I've had a lot of that since the Oscars, <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe it's on me to uh, ask more questions as to the why rather than just me be like rubble rubble. <laughs> All right, well let's get to Takeshi Miike's First Love again. This is a film I was just kind of excited to do for us because it was like I don't know much about whether this is good or bad. I know it's Takeshi Miike. I know it's a romantic film. 
in the Yakuza world. And that's all. You know what? I'm going to take that as it, and let's watch it and see what happens. So I thought, and I guess we'll start getting into, the, not spoiler spoilers, but like uh, tonal spoilers, maybe. Okay. Uh, I didn't toenail see- Tonal spoilers? What? Toenail spoilers? To- toenail spoilers. Yeah. All of the toenails in this film uh, were painted orange. Um, no. The- Spoiler. Yeah, well. Uh, I didn't think- this film had much of a love story in it. Mm, that's a question. Uh, that's a, I think that's a. I think that's a great discussion point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't disagree with you. Now you could argue that various characters love various things, and it is their their loves for things that move all of their stories along and intertwine them. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, and I kind of like that read of it, mm-hmm. um, but it was not what I was expecting. Tell us what IMDb says this movie is about. Oh. And this is, I know, I, without having read the IMDb synopsis, this is not going to be Maybe. a good one. We'll see. <laughs> a young boxer and a call girl get caught up in a drug smuggling scheme over the course of one night in Tokyo. Actually, I, I retract what I just said. That's not bad. That's it's not, not bad. It's not bad. Uh, I, I, I would buy that as the two-line synopsis. Uh I would I would say um, rather than call girl um, I, I don't sex know sex slave, slave. yeah um, but <laughs> yeah. other than that yeah that's pretty that's pretty it that's pretty it um, so again I I the only expectations I had were Takeshi Miike Yakuza love story question mark um, and and I was like I, I'm curious to see because you know I, I gave you a choice of either this or um, Christian Pelzot's uh, film Transit which uh, Izzy our guest had, uh, had said was her second favorite film of last year sorry probably Izzy by, uh, probably behind Little Women I didn't maybe? mean to not uh, actually no I don't know what her favorite, favorite film of no, last I year I will was. definitely check that out yeah. uh, no I just got excited about uh, Takashi Miike yeah, I yeah. Think that's kind of what so so do you well tell me about your Taka- Takashi Miike well obviously Takashi history so the um, the not, not a ton but I I did, for instance, uh, and I want to make sure I get my years correct. I think the first film I saw from him back in the day, yeah, this is definitely correct, was Ichi the Killer. Holy fuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy fuck. And I was like, uh, yes, I'll have uh, what he's having, what the gentleman is having. And then oh. I kind of went into a rabbit hole. Uh, right, This is freshman year of college, I think, for me. Th- this is a good time for a young male oh, film lover. Oh, my God. To discover Takeshi Miike. the killer. And you know what? I don't even want to watch it again. It's pretty fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, the, the titles are written in semen, as far as I recall. But I, I, oh, man. That it was just mouth? It was just the, <laughs> like, that kick in the do? balls that, like. Kick I, in like, the mouth. Well, yeah. But the, <laughs> that, the, that's the. I guess my my understanding of what a movie is. I, I had a lot a lot of the the foreign films. That's I ended a superhero movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. technically. Yeah. Um, the a lot of my foreign film experience did, especially uh, with Asian cinema, uh, blossomed in college. Hundred uh, percent. Shout out to Matt Marchetti for, with uh, Movie Matinee on Instagram. You can follow him. He does I think a daily review mm-hmm. of a lot of horror films, but also um, you, it, it just like really succinct stuff written in the Instagram description of a, of a photo of the Blu-ray cover. Yeah. That man's got some rays, my friend. Um, some rays, blue rays. He oh, just has oh. a, he has a great collection. Oh, some rays. Uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> so so shout out to Matt Marchetti. But he showed me Ichi the Killer, and then I just sort of went down. And then that's when I eventually did end up seeing uh, uh, Audition. Ugh. And I'm trying to think. There was one other one I saw. Is uh, it a Q? Happiness of the Categories. I think it was the ha- Happiness of the Categories. Oh. Yeah, Happiness so, of the Categories is streaming right now on Amazon Prime, and it is a blast. I would show the first ten minutes in film class uh, as like. 
movies that I just just think make you fall in love with movies, and that movie is bananas. So when you brought up, <laughs> we had the opportunity to do his new 2019 film. Yeah, I was like, yeah, all right, I'll dive, I'll dive back into this uh, this well of youth yeah. uh, in my cinema exploration. Uh, and yeah, and I uh, overall just about this film. You know, we're yeah. we're about 35 <laughs> minutes in. Let's talk about it. Uh, I dug it. Yeah. Um, I. The, the 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 phonetic it was like it was like the right amount of phonetic and a little bit crazy not as crazy as I thought it was gonna be yeah it felt like a a, a so this is a pro and a con I think a steadier hand on the style that he's developed mm-hmm. um it it felt. Uh, I knew the second that it was introducing a lot of different characters very quickly, I'm like, oh, we're going to get a big old tangled knot of motivations and thing mm-hmm. and reasoning. And then, of course, it ends up being a, a bag of drugs, yeah. um, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, look, this this movie doesn't... Drugs ha- are fine. Drug- <laughs> drugs <laughs> you heard are fine. it here first. Yeah. Um, I, the, it just needs that thing that people are all after, and it can tie up this crime story quite nicely. Yeah. Um, I really thought uh, that the acting uh, for all of the the parts, even like the the more serious to the more ridiculous, was was, was super solid. Uh, I thought it was a really pretty film. It is very pretty. It's um, and it's 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 very small. It's very contained. Like it, you know, like you can see well, it takes that place they, in one night. That you can see, but they just moved around really quickly to like locations after locations and just kind of put this thing together. Really, you know, the other thing about Takeshi Miike is like for a period of up to about ten years, he was making, or f- well, he had at least four films a year come out at one. You know, like every year, he's made a hundred movies, yeah. uh, and and he's not one of these like his. Output doesn't feel like Roger Corman in that sense, you know, who's another filmmaker that you would say puts out a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, his films feel polished and refined, even. You and, know? and whenever Leo, uh, I'm going to butcher his, the actor's name, but Masataki. Uh, Masataka. Ku- Masataka, excuse me. Uh, Kubuta. Kubuta. Maybe. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Uh, whenever he was on the screen, yeah. I was just mesmerized. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had. The best way I can combine it is, and, and this is not characters that the characters are playing. So the first one is an actual actor, and the second one is a character that that actor doesn't play. It felt to me like this meshing together. Are you ready? Okay. Re- Remy Malik. Okay. Okay. Right. Mixed with the character of Jason from The Good Place. Remind me which one Jason is from The Good Place. I've only seen Jason's two. the one from Florida. Jason's uh, the the monk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I, you know, Rami Malek. Yeah. yeah. And, and whenever I saw it, I was like, "Holy shit!" And I was like, I just couldn't. I, I was so invested in his, like, the, his journey. Yeah. That I actually found myself actively being like, "Let's get back to Leo." Right. Right. Like, which was I don't normally do in a lot of these these types of films. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any any quick negatives of it. Um. I guess the only quick negative I can say, and this is me hunting, hmm. is it did not stick with me much after I'd watched it. Like Ichi stuck, <laughs> for better or worse, it stuck because it was sticky. Yeah, it's um, a sticky movie. But so, this so this sticky. film, after it was done, I was like, huh. I was like, cool. <laughs> I liked that, and I and I didn't have. I had to go back and like actually like dig into some stuff about Takashimika again <laughs> and like this film in general. So uh, it didn't it didn't have a thing like, for instance. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, or Parasite, or even Birds of Prey. It didn't yeah. like it didn't uh, it didn't like latch me. Okay. What about you? 
so I did this film uh, late night uh, after of a double hitter, uh, the first being Terminator Dark Fate. Hell uh, yeah. I finally borrowed your copy and watched it. Did it, did, did it. Uh, and I think you texted me while I was watching that and said, let's do First Love. And I was like, okay, cool. And then and I was like, I was going to watch First Love the next night, but then I was like, no, nah, I'm probably going to get tired. Tonight's my one night to stay up and watch movies. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I stuck it on. I rented it. And then like 20 minutes in, I was like, I think I love this movie. Oh, good. I was like, I think I kind of love this movie. I was like, I was surprised at that because Takeshi Miike, um, you know, like in the four films that I kind of fell in love with his work, I do think many of them are, are going to be really difficult to revisit. His, um, you know, like uh, his brand of sexual comedy, for example, is pretty explo- exploitative. Yeah. Um, his, his, his idea of what is or what can potentially be funny um, is uh, is creepy at times. Yeah. And, you know, like he is willing, to, his, his comedy uh, and, and just his sense of humor is willing to go into the terrain of things that are incredibly taboo, um, that are difficult to watch. So if you're, if you're listening to this and going, oh, I might check out this Takeshi Miike guy, and then you're suddenly struck by... Uh, bestiality or necrophilia or whatever it is that you're going to come across in his not films. Not safe for work. Yeah. Not uh, safe for just, work. Just be aware that this is the territory. I, but I also kind of like his willingness to do that and his willingness to like push his audience really far. Because you, when you watch it, it's clearly comes coming from someone who's trying to push your buttons. Um, and, and that's what I think is, I was sort of excited to kind of get back into. Because I remember, I, so for me, uh, I saw Audition, uh, and I was like blown away by it. And then I started having to import the films in yeah. myself. Region-free uh, DVD so, players. So I was buying them off eBay, and I was buying like from like these you know like one-off sellers in Japan. And I got a copy of Ichi the Killer. And I, shock horror, I'd lifted it at my parents' house one time. And I came home, and they were watching it. Oh, and I, no. And I was like, oh, no. Because they're just like, even though I could try to talk them through that this was an interesting film for me to watch, I was like, none of this looks good for me. No. None of this looks any good for me. So uh, at any rate, um, I was kind of excited by that. So I was I was concerned, like, at which point is this film going to go off the rails and be icky? That's it. The last Takeshi Miike film I saw was 13 Assassins, which is as close as any filmmaker has ever gotten, and and it's it's derivative of me to su- suggest this, but of being uh, equivalent to The Seven Samurai. You know, like, it is that good. It yeah. is am- It's an amazing piece of filmmaking. He is a filmmaker with uh, a prolific output where the highs are extraordinarily high. You know, like, they are the best of most filmmakers yeah. in any lifetime. Um, his lows are pretty low too. Um, Listen, but, I want that wave sign. I want that curve. I yeah, want the yeah, up yeah. and down. But so in the middle of the and uh, of first love, I was like, I think I love this movie. I think I'm in love with this movie. And the reason being is that I, I, the movie is telling you a lot of story, and it's very difficult to keep up with what is going to happen. So the the basic plot mechanics is is that the the sort of um, uh, uh, Yakuza underling has a 
has a has a plot for how to basically uh, steal some drugs and extricate himself from the ongoing Chinese and Yakuza gangster feud that is going on, which he knows is not good for anybody. And he's going to get himself, you know, he's going to steal these drugs, blame it on uh, this uh, sex slave that he, you know, like is associated knows about. Yeah, Yeah, Monica, who is the other love in this film. Well, he was going to blame it on the person who the Mm. who's Monica's Mm. was Monica's keeper. Monica something uh, like it's it's very hard to keep track of like what's going because basically there's all these characters just coming at you and then it's got this quality to it where I I thought a lot about this is like a a much more stripped down Guy Ritchie movie you know like the early Guy Ritchie Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrel Snatch those kinds of things but without the kind of stylistic um, hand holding which I actually really enjoy it's a frenetic claustrophobic (laughs) Guy Ritchie movie yeah but, but what happens there is that I was like really invested in the mechanics of the story. Okay. And I was like really going, okay, now this person's going to do this, so that means that this person has to do that, and then what happened? And then inevitably, the way the story unfolds is that it becomes a comedy of errors. Everybody fucks up. Every part of this plan fucks up at some point. Yep. And, and the fact that the film is kind of doing that kind of detailed plot mechanics where... It matters who's talking to who at which moment and who bests who at this moment and how's that going to, you know, what what are the ramifications of that going to do to the whole plot? But in the middle of it, he injects like little moments where Monica, you know, you know, has a, a haunted past where we see, you know, the things that make her terrified, um, you know, kind of told through this sort of macabre and surreal ghostly mo- spectral moments. Yeah, played by, and, uh, mm-hmm. let's, I want to see if I get this mm-hmm. one right, uh, Sakurako Konishi. Uh, Sakurako Konishi. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and and you know, like and Leo, uh, the um, uh, Masataka Kubatu. Oh boy, I butchered that last we, one. We're bad. We're, we're bad. We're bad. Apologies. You know how I love language. I'm real bad at them. We gotta get that <laughs> fish. We gotta put that fish in your ear. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that helps the the vocal cords. Oh yeah, you're right. You know, but but at any rate, like to have the backstories for both these characters like told in like little asides. You know, we learned that that uh, Leo was abandoned as a baby, and you see him as a baby in the trash. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, <gasps> and, and I was like invested in this character doing this thing, and then he learns he's got a brain. Like this plot mechanic about drugs. You know, like and having to. You you know, like pin this on this person and trying to get out from this Chinese and Yakuza battle is happening in the backdrop of Leo and finding out that he's got an in- inoperable brain tumor that's going to kill him. And and you know, and and Monica has has this like fear of um uh, of this ghostly specter that she sees and is like is addicted to drugs and it's all happening. And the thing that I was like in was like I kind of love this. I was like, I, I just loved every moment of it, and I was like, I was loving every turn, and I was thinking about. Uh, just how how seamless it was, you know, like how how without the kind of stylistic flourishes that we're talking about in a Guy Ritchie film, yeah. you know, where there's a narrator explaining bit by bit. These are just the characters are just kind of we're just cutting from scene to scene to scene, and it's like the most complicated mechanics I can think I've ever seen. And it does it does take a minute to get on board, but uh, I, yeah. I, but, but like well, t- 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 it took me a while because I'm like I didn't know. I actively was like, are they done introducing characters yet? Oh, nope, there's a new one. Like, I, and, didn't, and there's I didn't care. And, no, no, no. <laughs> and and, and to, to the film's credit, I never... That was never a problem for yeah. me. I just at one point there's my my point is there's so many plates spinning yeah. that I started to wonder. I'm like, how many more plates are they gonna do? They introduce a yakuza character who's coming out of prison, who's like we don't realize is the under is like is our other character. I think Yasu's 
direct boss. D- direct boss, but still an underling to the big boss. So you're getting these like layers upon Though layers. The big boss seemed a little pointless. I mean, yeah, but it just seemed like that's the world, you know. Like this is. But like it didn't. That that was the one character <laughs> I think didn't do anything for the story for me. Man, and write us in gmail.com if if I'm missing I'm, something. I, I'm I know for a fact I didn't understand everything that was happening in this movie. <laughs> I know for a for a hard fact that there are things that happen in this movie where I don't know how this connects to the bigger story. But I loved every moment of this. And I love I you know like again I just watched the movie and then I and I I just loved everything that was happening. And I think the the while it you're right, it doesn't have an outward love story it's basic premise for the title of the film first love has to do with you know two people just kind of coming together and saying and deciding that they're gonna you know do the best for them but i think that last 10 minutes of the film really gets to the heart of what they're talking about when they talk about first love here because it's not these characters first love do you want to get into spoilers i think we're gonna i think we're gonna have to get into spoilers. at any rate this movie's on amazon prime go get it (laughs) go get it. it you can rent it i think it's 4.99 Four ninety nine. Uh, so Five dollars. Yeah, it's That's not, a cup of coffee. It's not on Prime. You can rent it from Amazon's oh, Prime probably get service. It on iTunes. Yeah, we're not. We're, we're platform agnostic. You're right. I'm just saying. Sometimes yeah. when you say it's on Amazon Prime, that implies that it's free. It is not free. It does cost. Or if you paid for Amazon Prime. Right, but even if you pay for Amazon Prime, you still have to rent the movie for a yeah, cost. That's true. Um, the because a lot of times, especially on that service, you'll see next to it a little dash that says Prime, and like, oh, that means it's free. It's not clear. Yeah. Jeff Bezos has all your money. <laughs> um, but the yeah, I think it is definitely it is a hundred percent. And you know what? I would say I would have liked to watch this film with a group of friends. Mm. Um, uh, I, mm, yeah, mm. you can take it two different ways. I, I just, I, I, it really got me back in the headspace again. Shout out Matt Marchetti and uh, Jeremy Ellis and a bunch of our, our sort of like our friends from uh, Abishan Nine, baby, uh, at Fitchburg State College. I don't know what that means. That was our dorm. Okay, uh, we just watched a ton of foreign film and, uh, and and Japanese and Korean film specifically, and. Uh, it just got me into this hankering for like wanting to be back with those people and like discussing, uh, just having having a fun time with a with a bit of a wacky movie that uh, I wasn't quite uh, fully ready for. I don't know. I, I but I but on the flip side, mm-hmm. there is a contemplative nature to the to the madness of this film, and there are aspects that I am glad that I did see it by myself. Yeah, it's, I think I think it's a difficult. I, I I would say this is a difficult film. Uh, difficult in that I think seeing films with your friends. The best ones have a sort of crowd element to them, where you can kind of talk through them a little bit. And this, and this is, is not that. one of those. No, 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 no. But I, I but it, it I, maybe I should have rephrased my statement on a personal level. If you've ever had a group of friends, and chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. Of, oh man, I got no friends. Of of <laughs> of people that like really enjoy cinema and and watching new and sometimes odd things and you've had great experiences with them this seems like a film that that might be one of them that you'd either seen or that would fit really well with that specific situation i'll just preface i i, I don't disagree with you by the way i'm not you know like yeah. debating this i just think this is a movie that would be good if you watched it individually and then came together as a group of friends to watch together like a book club yeah like a book club like a book club for <laughs> movies yeah film club film hashtag film club yeah. first rule of film club 
is... Is you argue about semantics. <laughs> Second rule of film club... You gotta watch shirtless? Is you... <laughs> I was gonna say, argue about semantics! Uh, but yeah, we'll make... Uh, the th- shirtless can be number three. Shirtless, yeah. Um, okay, spoilers... Just for you and me, though. Uh, well, oh boy. The, what, when you say keep be, group of people coming together, it's just you and me? No, but I'm saying in this particular situation, that if this was our group, people would have to know that we are shirtless. Oh, I, just, I don't want people surprised. Yeah, I don't think they're going to come, to be honest. No, I don't think so either, but that's, you want to be up front. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into specific spoilers here, because the thing that's amazing is the... I, I mean, I will agree, there is a, there's, a, there's a thing about this film, which is that it's layering so much up uh, at, the, at the top half of this movie with so much different plot elements and then seeing it kind of everything fuck up um, that, that you're kind of like... There is a, there's an extent to which where you're going, okay, this movie has got a... It, 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 it's got me for a really short window, uh-huh. and and the second it kind of blows over that window, I think the movie's going to fall apart. You know, like it's got to really, it's got to stick to this, to, to this, not not to to its lane, but it's got to stick to this time frame that I think is basically the time frame for which I will accept everything that's going on in this movie. And when it goes one step over that, I think I will, you know, it will ruin the experience for me because. Because I, the, the reason I say that is there's only so much story you can take in one go. And this, has, this movie has so much story up front that you just want to see how those stories unravel. And you don't want to get to a point where new stories are being introduced by the back end of this film. And it does that. It actually does start doing that. It starts introducing new stories by the back end of the film. What's the, what's the youngest story? What's the newest story in the film? But this, well, this is my point. Is that oh. the newest story that it introduced in the film, I think, was so pitch perfect for like what this film is trying to get across in terms of like this idea about first love that I thought was kind of genius. Ooh. And that, that, that new story is the idea that uh, Monica, Monica's first love, was it's not the title of this film, it's this other person who had protected her when she was younger and whom she sees now, uh, you know, living this other life uh, with a wife and that sort of thing. And she really, you know, like, I think for her, it's this idea that, this love that she, you know, this this relationship that she's developing now is not the first love. It's not that great romantic thing. It's this new thing, and it's and it's less passionate. It's less. It's actually just more about healing, and it's more about like healing herself. And I thought that was a kind of like the the final shot of this movie is such a peculiar shot. Yeah, it's such a strangely placed shot. And that but shot I think it's beautiful. Would not have worked for me. Did we not have the closure? Uh, of her running into quite randomly yeah. uh, her her first love, yeah, uh, who is then I guess you're assuming married and with a pregnant wife, yeah. Um, uh, this is a person that that she calls for multiple times yeah. in, in, in a R- drug induced haze. I think she's calling. R- her. R- yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then she sort of sees like through. There's a couple other moments of growth through the film uh, when she eventually attacks the, a person standing in the place of her or the 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 psychic ghost of her uh, of her abusive father. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, sort of, it's not only just about punching your demons. It's also sort of about the internal personal growth. And yeah, I mean, I've been in situations, uh, honestly, with neither of the women that I've brought up so far. But like where you where you have a. Um, a cathartic experience talking to an ex that you maybe had a a a, a good uh, break like it's not it wasn't like contentious or anything like that. Is this you, Erica? You, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Seven year old. Yeah, yeah. We, we it was very contentious. There was, we had a, a lot of political disagreements. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, when you run into someone like three or four years later, and you're just like, 
Yeah, you're happy that they're good. Yeah. But it also kind of gives you, like, because they're good, it gives you internal permission to also be good. Does, like, do you think it gives you internal permission to, like, let go of that person? Well, let yes, go of the, like the thing that you've been holding? Yes, Not the thing you've been holding on to, but the memory that you've been yes, holding Yes, and, and while my my journey is not the same as the character Monica's and the thing, but it's this, it's a sort of similar thing. It's it's a it's a release. It's a it's a it's a a next step in your whatever emotional journey is, for instance, that Monica is taking. She's sort of handled the 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 symptoms, and mm-hmm. now she's sort of taken the cure. It's it's it's. I'm getting a little bit wide with the analogy. No, but but I, but I think you know the interesting thing is that for everything that we were talking about in the first half of the movie, which has to do with the mechanics of a of a yakuza film, you know, like with a of a of a of a drug deal gone wrong. Yeah. The back half of the movie really lands because it's about this person healing from the place that they were in. And coming to a new place, and then I think the, there's a sort of a montage that happens at the back end of the movie, where uh, Leo is sort of uh, go- going back to fighting. His his transformation isn't huge, but Monica at the same time is detoxing yeah. the entire time, and it's like you realize that they're both kind of fighting this battle together. And it's and you know, and then the final shot of them just walking into this apartment that is like by all means like you know in a prefecture in, in Tokyo somewhere that's not you know it's a, it's not a great you know they're not like living the high life or anything yeah. like that. It's just this. Lot, wide shot of those two, these two people. You kind of, you can barely even make them out. Um, just walking into their apartment, and you, and you just kind of get the sense that they've got a life now. You know, it's for 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 not hitting the highs of what we think the the sort of drug fueled crazy night life that they came from. This is just the simple life that they live, and it's beautiful. And it was yeah. like, you know, like, and I and I was just kind of touched by that. Um, the madness of Takeshi Miike is never more evident in, in A, an animated sequence that injects itself in the middle oh, of the Oh, yeah. That was just, you know, like, you, you sort of see why it may have, may have happened uh, in that the, the, the actual sequence that they talk about was probably, that they kind of created was probably too difficult to actually make. Budget. But, but it's really good. Oh, it's, it's really, so really pretty. And, and then, you know, like, the madness of Takeshi Miike is, uh, is Case, the, the, the uh, or Kase, or however you say it, um, Basically, walking around a hardware store, being shot at, but having a having a bag of meth right by his chest and being able to rub it and say it doesn't hurt, I'm fine. Yeah, uh, like this is the madness of Takeshi so Miike. Fun. That 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 hardware store sequence, which is like a half hour long, yeah. is so fucking good. It's it's crazy. It's madness, and there's like huge again, hardware store, huge hardware store. And I was like, yeah, there was like a lot of. Pr- <laughs> I, I actually was I was even confused at how it got into the hardware store because we seem to be spending a lot yeah. of time there. We uh, it's funny in New York City, uh, mm. hardware stores are, are tiny. tiny. Except for hard to uh, and and hard to find <laughs> yeah. anything, and uh, if you go to a good one, they'll help you, and if you go to a bad one, they'll well, really be mad at for having to help you. You generally have to pull out your sword to kind of like get assistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, uh, man, I tried, I tried buying lumber once <laughs> in New York City. Holy shit, that's a mistake. I tell you what's a mistake about it is buying the lumber is easy, transporting the lumber well, is near impossible. It, or cutting it there. Home like, Depot, bro. Home Depot. Oh, fuck them. Really? They, yeah. They 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 had <laughs> such a dilapidated setup to cut lumber and like everything. Which Home Depot did? Home Depot uh, did. Thirty fourth Street. Really? Yeah. Well, oh. again, th- to be fair, this was years ago, and I hold a grudge. You hold. You do hold a grudge. I come from a construction home improvement family, uh, <laughs> so I I and not the series. My father does that for a living. Um, so I thought you were holding a grudge like the Japanese film. 
I mean, I, I literally <laughs> probably could go to the, the cabinet and hold a grudge right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, regardless, sorry, hardware store scene, very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. And it, yeah, just the, the it, this movie plays out like a like a, an amazing domino, you know, d- domino uh, uh, Rube Goldberg machine. You know, like a Rube Goldberg machine is very apt. Yeah, you know, like it's just like you're sitting up all these pieces, and it's so it's so effortlessless and 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 seamless. You know, like it just kind of like. Oh, there's a there's a sort of a matter of factness to the whole thing, um, and and the surprises are great. And I was like, I was like, I'm just on board for this. I'm really, I, I'm, and I'm so, you know, like I will give it bonus points because I was just, I had no anticipation about sure. it. You know, I kind of just went in going, let's just see what we got here. I'll give it bonus points for the scene where he punches out the cop. He punches out the cop when the, when the cop's chasing Monica. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and the, he just like is standing the there punch. like kind of slack. You're talking about the punch. The punch. Yeah, the punch is beautiful. It's so fucking cool. It's well, you know, like he's got all the charisma, uh, you know, the, the physicality of a movie star in that scene where it's like he punches, then he kind of just slouches like it ain't no thing. Yeah, you know, like he was just like, well, I just you know did my thing. And I was like, that's a movie star right there. It so that, cool. It's it's so so cool, so effortlessless. Uh, effortless. You, you kept saying effortless, effortless which would mean it's probably full of effort. effort. Yeah, no, yeah. effortless. Yeah, you go. I don't know why I keep saying it. Twice. It's okay. It's, We're, it's, it's late. It's late. This this movie is such a wonderful surprise. Uh, I agree. Uh, um, also, I think we we've been doing these late quite a bit. Mm. We we should try <laughs> at some point when our schedules allow. Do it in the afternoon. Oh, that would be nice. But I wor- I'm working right now. I know. Stop doing that. The key <laughs> is to not do that. Not to be working. That's how we kind of make this whole machine churn over. I know. Um, no, I, uh, Matt, do you want to have your final say final on this? thing is you should watch this movie. It's fucking cool. And mm. it's not like the things you probably normally watch unless you watch exclusively Shin <laughs> Miki films. Uh, it's, uh, it's a shot of adrenaline in, uh, uh, what I would consider, like what you sort of said, like a, a, a Guy Ritchie-esque mm. film, but a little bit more claustrophobic. Um, and it, uh, it has a surprising amount of depth. Uh, when you when you seek it out or sort of notice it by the end, uh, I think it's I think it's really really good, um, and you should watch it. Uh, absolutely, it's 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 you know it's four ninety nine. It's it's on Amazon or iTunes or wherever you get your movies from, um, and it's such a. You know, it's such a delightful uh, experience with depth to it as well that I that I I think with hidden depth to it. You know, yep. like um, and I guess my mind is just blown by Takeshi Miike's output. You know, he's sixty years old. He's still making. You know, like uh, IMDb has him listed with working like uh, six things, three movies every year, pretty consistently. Uh, all the way back through to nineteen till two thousand and one. Man, uh, that that output is crazy to me. And you know, again, the highs are pretty freaking high. The low, like to me, Ichi the Killer has some of the lowest of the lows in them. Yeah, but but, but, but it's, it's like they're punctu- they're punctuated with some of the 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 things that you will never see in a movie. Yeah, you know, um, that makes it so amazing to watch. Um, I'm just, you know, again, 13 Assassins is so good. Uh, I, I didn't catch up with Blade of the Immortal, but now I'm like, I'm excited. I'm like, oh man, I gotta go back and catch up with everything that he's been doing. It's like a hundred movies. We (laughs) should petition him, uh, before he retires (laughs) to do a remake of The Greasy Strangler. Oh, he would do a, he would do an interesting Greasy Strangler. I know. That's what I'm saying. I feel like The Greasy Strangler is directly influenced by some of his humor. Shout out to Matthew Broussard. Yeah. I remember reading an interview with a uh, uh, a Thai filmmaker 
who was working with Christopher Doyle, uh, who's the famous cinematographer from Hong Kong, and who was shooting this film in Thailand. I can't remember the filmmaker's name, and I can't remember the, the film now, but they were talking about how they were in uh, Thailand, and uh, Takeshi Miike was in town. And because he was a filmmaker, they went to see him. And he said the, cool, the, the strangest thing happened, which was that Takeshi Miike was surrounded by Yakuza, uh, by people and it was like and it was he wasn't like he's not a you know part of the gangs or anything like that and he said you know he, he actually talks about the Yakuza are dying out now it's not a sort of you know they've basically been outlawed yeah. but he said the Yakuza treat Takeshi Miike like um, mobsters in New Jersey would treat Martin Scorsese, which is that he is their he is their guy. He's their voice. He is their voice. He is their guy. And even if their movies his movies are, uh, you know, outlandish, you know, he 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 gains their respect. And they, you know, it's it's kind of I take that endorsement for whatever you well, want. You're speaking to your audience. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's just kind of amazing to think about him in that way, like because he is he's a cool looking dude as yeah. well. You know, like I can imagine him just being like too cool for school. Agreed. Uh, well, this has been. This has been. This has been. This this has been. This has been. Which one of us is the has been? Uh, has been he? The only podcast about the film First Love, Shahir. When you aren't looking deeply into my eyes across the desk, uh, realizing you feel things for podcasting you've never felt before, where can folks find you? Oh. I'm sorry, I got lost in those pearly blues for a second there. <laughs> are they blue? What are you? What color are you? I should know uh, like that. They're like a brownish green. A brownish green. Actually, yeah, yours are brown. I don't. <laughs> I don't notice eye color. No, neither do I. Wow, we're fucked. Uh, uh, but uh, you can see me at my website, staring at Matt's website, which is uh, <laughs> Matt's. We- well, my website is www.shahirdad.com. Matt, what's your what's your website? My website is www.matthewcrawl.com. We're just staring at each other's sites. It's really hard to find both of us on the internet. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, also Emperor MSK on Twitter, uh, Skeletor for President, Instagram, and PSN. Um, yeah, what uh, what are we doing next? I'm off to PAX. But You're going to PAX. By the time you hear this, I'll be flying back from PAX. Uh, nothing so we'll like you... a good convention uh, with a pandemic going around. No, yeah, um, yeah, that'll be fun. So that'll Actually, be good. Maybe I'll stay away and I'll do a remote next week. You maybe. son of a bitch. I'm not sure. I don't even know what's coming out right now. I, I We'll figure I, it out. But I like this idea that we just kind of grab bag movies. Well, it's February. <laughs> it's February. Invisible is... Man. I think Invisible, like Lee Wannell's film, Invisible it looks interesting. would be interesting. And I didn't see Upgrade. Did you see Upgrade? No. I heard great things yep. about Upgrade. Um, so maybe we should give that a shot. Maybe in the meantime, I will check out Upgrade uh, to kind of get myself in the zone there for that film. I, there's a lot of stuff on. I kind of like this idea that we just throw darts at a board and hit our TVs and whatever lands on an Amazon Prime, we'll watch it. But then we have My to TV, buy new TVs yeah. on Amazon Prime because you're breaking them with the darts. Yeah, I know. And what I do is I go to Home Depot and I, brought, I build like this little screen Fuck with the lumber that they, cut, that they cut out for me with their dilapidated lumber system. Courier lumber in New Hampshire and <laughs> In Manchester, New Hampshire, or bust. Anyway, uh, actually, they might not be in Manchester, but they are in New Hampshire. Uh, th- yeah, thanks for listening. Find your first love. Find your first love and play them this podcast. Play them this podcast and then watch this movie with them. Maybe if you're having to do that while waiting outside their house, maybe you know don't implicate us in this. Wait, let's rewind. Okay. Join a boxing gym. What? Okay. Okay. Then. Find, steal some meth. Steal some meth, but inadvertently, because you don't want to be implicated. Okay, okay, right. Then find your first love, and don't tell them anything, but email them a link to this podcast. <laughs> they will inevitably come to you, and then your adventure can begin. 
What if oh, no. Monica's ghost that she's seeing was actually just her first love who is like pretending to haunt her? That is fucked <laughs> up. And it was just like I don't like that. <laughs> and it was just like <laughs> anyway. All right. Talk Bye. to y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.